0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 31, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Luke chapter 17, leprosy was a dangerous, deadly disease because there was no cure, no treatment in Jesus' day. And leprosy made you an outcast physically and socially and spiritually. And they came to Jesus and they said, Master, don't you remember those 10 lepers? They came to Jesus and Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. I find that interesting that they said, Master, show, show mercy to us. And Jesus said, go your way. Show yourself to the priest. You're cleansed. He didn't talk about the leprosy. He didn't talk about, well, you know, um, how'd you get yourself into this mess? He didn't, he didn't go in. It. Jesus just said, go and show yourself to the priest. I love that. Jesus just simply, quietly to them, go show yourself to the priest. Well, the 10 lepers, they, they, they ask for mercy. Jesus tells them to go show themselves. They're walking, and all of a sudden, their skin started to change. And one looked at the other and said, hey, you've been using Proactive. Because <laughs> all of a sudden, you look great. And their fingers started growing back and their noses began to grow, you know, and they were healed and Jesus gave them back their lives. But only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, stay with me, saints, when he saw that he was healed, he turned around. Luke chapter 17, verse 15 tells us with a loud voice, he glorified God. Are y'all getting that? only one saw a reason to praise. Only one saw the difference that Jesus had made. Only one saw a need to go back and say, thank you. You know, many see their need to pray, but few see their need to praise. And tell me that's not true. Many, many see their need to pray. But few see their need to praise. Jesus notices when someone robs God of their glory. Jesus notices when someone fails to come back and give thanks. Let's be thankful people. Let's go back and give thanks to God for the great things He's done. Question, question. What, what's your average on the giving thanksometer? I couldn't think of another way to say that. So. What's your, what's your average on giving thanks to God? How much do you give thanks to God? I mean, really, think about it. Don't, don't tell your neighbor, but just think about it. How much do you really thank God? How often do you thank God? Once a week? Once a month? Once a year on Thanksgiving? How often do you say, thank you, Lord? How often do those, I'm just trying to challenge you, that's all, because I want you to be better people and godly people. How often do you really, I don't care if you're 80 or 80, listen. How often do you say, thank you, Lord? Well, I can't seem to find anything to thank God about. For real? <laughs> for real. You really can't. There's so much we can thank God for. Some saint need to say amen. There's so much we can thank God for. So much. Thank him for your breath. You want to thank him? Let me help you. Thank him for your breath. Do you know some folk didn't wake up today? You did. And because you did, you need to thank him for your breath. When you wake up in the morning, just open your eyes and say, Lord, thank you. My eyes open because somebody's didn't. Somebody somewhere. Thank Him for this day that you've seen. Thank Him for your health. Thank Him for your life. Thank Him for provision. Thank Him that you made the house payment this month. Oh, y'all better say a better amen than that because some of y'all came close. (laughs) Thank Him. You got a lot to thank God for. Thank Him for your strength. As crazy as they are, thank Him for the kids. As crazy as they are, thank Him for the kids. And then when you look at the crazy kids, thank them. <laughs> thank, we got a lot to thank God for. We need to be thankful that we're far off from, that we're not far off from God, but he has made us near by the blood of Jesus. Let's be sure that we thank God. Can somebody clap your hands and say amen? Will you be? <clears throat> Amen. So in 1 Samuel chapter 11, Saul got a great victory over the men of Jabesh Gilead, for the men of Jabesh Gilead, and Samuel reminded the people to give thanks to God. And those were the good old days for Saul. He was a hero to the people. And I'm sure that everybody remembers the days when Saul was filled with the Spirit and following the Lord and began to be used by the Lord. Well, look at verse 1 in chapter 31. The Philistines fought against Israel, and they were getting whooped. And many were killed on Mount Gilboa, which was the Israeli headquarters. The Philistines attacked deep into Israeli territory. And let me tell you something, because of Saul's deep rebellion, Israel was not ready for a deep attack in their territory. First Samuel 28 five tells us Saul was afraid and his heart was troubled. And instead of Saul seeking the Lord, he sought a medium. Were you with me? And the medium called up Samuel from the dead. That's what I would have been. I'm out. I don't do folk from the other side. Amen. Some of y'all like to stick around and see that kind of stuff. I'm like, nope, not going to do it. Called up a medium, called up Samuel. Samuel came forth with a word of judgment on Saul, a word of judgment from God on Saul. We'll look at verse two. It tells us that Saul's sons, Jonathan, Abinadad, and uh, that guy were, were also killed. Now, you know what that tells us? That tells us, listen, your sin doesn't just affect you. Your sin will affect your family as well. Because God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Jonathan died as well because God is clearing a way for David to ascend to as the next king of Israel. Now, listen. We know and believe that if Saul would have died, it would have been fine with Jonathan for David to sit on the throne. We know that and believe that because of their relationship. But his brother, this other guy, Malchishua, this other guy, his brother, uh, maybe not so much. And again, we we, we we learn that we just have to trust God because if the son had lived, the sons that lived, say Jonathan and his brother had lived, perhaps that would have put Jonathan in a place to have to choose sides between David and his brother on the throne. So God knows all of that. Again, we just have to trust God. God knows all of that. Whatever's happening in your life, God knows. I say trust the Lord. God knows and works everything out for the good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. Well, look at verse 3 and 4. It tells us that the archers hit Saul and he was severely wounded. Now, listen, at this point, Saul knew that the battle was over. So he asked his armor bearer to kill him. The armor bearer wouldn't do it. So... Saul fell on his sword and killed himself so the Philistines wouldn't get him. Why? Because the Philistines were brutal. The Philistines were a vicious war machine and they would torture him. So the Bible tells us that Saul committed suicide. Now, listen, there are several people in the Bible that committed suicide. Saul is not the first. Um, Samson committed suicide. Remember? He bought the house down on himself. Uh, Ahithophel was a counselor to David and he hung himself. There's a guy in the Bible named Zimri. And he, uh, 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 in 1 Kings, uh, who burned his house with him in it. Uh, Then we have Judas Iscariot. Don't forget about him who hung himself. And then there's the first suicide that affected all men. Who was that? Adam. Adam, he committed suicide and took us all with him. Remember God said, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Well, in a spiritual sense, everyone, of, everyone who has an opportunity to receive Christ and turns away is committing suicide. Think about it. Now, two questions, two common questions regarding suicide. Number one, people ask me quite frequently, number one, can a Christian commit suicide? And number two, is it the unpardonable sin? The answer to number one, can a Christian commit suicide? The answer is yes. But why would he want to? Yes, but why would he want to? Secondly, is suicide the unpardonable sin? No. Suicide is not the unpardonable or unforgivable sin. You know, I was raised Catholic. Anybody else? Well, then you know where I'm going. I was raised Catholic. Uh, in my early days, and I was taught that there are two kinds, where, where y'all at? You know, there are two kinds of sin. In Catholicism, there are two kinds of sin. There are venial sins, and anybody know? And mortal sins, you know that. Venial sins are forgivable. Uh, venial sins are, I was just trying to think, like, what does is, what is it be? Venial sins are like, um, like lying, yeah, actually, I thought of that. Uh, gambling. Y'all are an interactive crowd tonight, aren't y'all? Y'all like, lying, Child line? I'm like, yeah. Uh. Um, like gambling? Cheating? What else? Stealing? Little stuff. Like that. <laughs> And mortal sins are unforgivable sins. Mortal sins are like murder, idolatry, adultery, and suicide. The Catholic Church teaches that suicide is an unforgivable sin because it is a mortal sin, because it, it, it usurps God's authority and power over life and death, so it's unforgivable. And, and committing suicide, they say, is, is unpardonable. Listen, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that committing suicide is the unpardonable sin. The Bible teaches that refusing Jesus Christ and refusing the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is the unpardonable, unforgivable sin. In other words, when you stand before God, when, not if, but when you stand before God, that is one sin that God will not forgive you of. Not in this life, nor the life to come, the Bible says. He will not forgive you. Of rejecting his son, his only means of salvation. It's unforgivable. It is forgivable. uh, Suicide. Yet it is a real problem in our country and in our world. Did you know, listen at this. In America, every day, get this, every 60 seconds, there is an attempted suicide. I never knew that. 70 per day succeed in killing themselves in this country. There are over two, 20,000 suicides each year. The average age for attempting suicide is 32 for men and 27 for women. Men kill themselves twice as often as women. More people die by suicide than by murder. Suicide is the 10th cause of death among adults. It's the 3rd cause of death among 15 to 30 year olds. Suicide has increased 30% in the last 20 years. 13 young adults each day consider life not living, not life not worth living. That's twice as many as 10 years ago and 3 times as many as 20 years ago. Suicide is a problem in America, and it's interesting because we have so much in our country. We're just indulgent. We have plenty, and yet it seems like the country is bleeding. We're wounded and bleeding. Verse 4 tells us Saul fell on the sword and committed suicide. But can I suggest something to you? Listen to this. I believe that Saul was committing suicide well before he fell on the sword. What do you mean, Pastor? First Samuel chapter 15. God told Samuel to go tell Saul to kill all the Amalekites, men, women, children, boy, girl, oxen, and sheep. God said, leave nothing alive. Saul didn't do that. You know that Saul kept the good stuff, and he kept King Agag alive. Samuel found out about it, and that's when he said to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice, for rebellion is as the sin of idolatry or witchcraft. Because you have rejected the Lord, he said, God has rejected you as king. First Samuel 15, 23. Samuel said, Saul, you're losing the kingdom because you don't care about God's word and you don't care about God's will. Talking about suicide before Saul fell on the sword. Later, Saul becomes a man who hates God's anointed king, David. He's fighting and wrestling with the plan of God and he won't submit. He killed 85 priests at Nob, their wives, their children, everyone and everything. Who does that except the man that's infected with the disease of hatred? And then he goes to the devil for counsel to the witch of Endor. This is suicide. This is death. Listen, truth is, we're all going to die someday. Do you realize the first breath you inhale? When you come in the world, think about this. The next time you go visit a mommy or you have a baby, think about this. The very first breath that child takes, they breathe life. The very next breath or life in this world. Careful. The very next breath they take they are on their way to death. Think about it. Everybody's going to die someday. Death is a part of life. It is inevitable. And it's interesting because we do all things. I feel like I'm preaching a funeral now because this is kind of the stuff I preach at a funeral. We do everything to prepare for death, but we do nothing to prepare for life. We prepare for death by getting life insurance. Which is interesting. They call it life insurance. It's not life insurance. It's death insurance. But that's not attractive. I'd like to sell you some death insurance. Um. No, thank you. It's not life insurance. We do things to prepare for death. We do nothing to prepare for life. Listen, death is in inevitable. It's going to happen. It's a part of life. You know, I was reading something that says more than one person, get this, dies every second in the world. More than one person dies every second in the world. So if you look at your watch, every second, more than one person has died. That means conservatively, while we're sitting here in church for one hour, more than 6,000 people will pass into eternity. Probably, by the time you get to the parking lot, it'll be more like ten thousand. And I've got to ask myself: you've got to ask yourself, what percentage of those people don't know Christ? So they pass into eternity. Everybody has eternity. Don't ask people, "Do you believe in eternity?" Or do or or, or, or you need to ask them, "Where will they spend eternity?" Because everybody has eternity. The question is, where are you going to spend it? You're going to spend it with the Lord, or you're going to spend it away from the Lord. Listen, if you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, you need to be glad you're here. You need to be happy you came to church tonight. Because you have an opportunity tonight to... Give your heart to the Lord. You have an opportunity to respond to the Lord. You have an opportunity to to miss out on an eternity separate from God. That's called hell. Wherever God is not, that's called hell. Amen. If God is not in Walmart, that's hell. Now, I'm going to leave it right there, all right? <laughs> Wherever God is not, that's hell. Where are you going to spend eternity? You're going to spend it somewhere. Someday, everybody is going to die. Saints, verse 4, look at Saul's last words. I want you to see this. You got to see this. Look at Saul's last, re- matter of fact, in your, in your Bible, in your margin, write this in the margin. Or if you're taking those, write it down. These are Saul's last recorded words. Draw your sword and thrust me through, lest the Philistines come. Lest these uncircumcised men, Philistines come and thrust me through and abuse me. These are Saul's last recorded words. Isn't that a sad last collection of things to say? You know, you've heard me read some famous last words. If you've been here at Calvary Chapel, you've heard me read some famous last words and tomb epitaphs, if you will. And here's one. Listen to this one. I I just read this one uh, this week. Listen to this. It says it's written on a tombstone. True. In New England, 200 years old. It reads, beneath this sod and lump of clay lies Arbella Young, who on the 26th of May began to hold her tongue. I'm like, that says a lot about her. Here's another one. This is about an old man down south whose last name was Pease, like peas, P-E-A-S, like frozen peas. Here lies a body of old man Peas. Buried neath these flowers and trees. But peas ain't here, just the pod. Peas shelled out and went to God. <laughs> Amen. I like that one. Peas shelled out and went to God. I like that one. Here are some famous last words from unbelievers and believers. Voltaire, French skeptic who died in 1778, his favorite saying was, curse the wretch. Curse the wretch. He said in a 100 years, the Bible will be a forgotten book or extinct. A 100 years later, he was extinct. Somebody say amen. And his personal home, doesn't God have a sense of humor? His personal home was a distribution center and printing press for the Geneva Bible Society. Isn't that just like God? Talking to his doctor, he said, I am abandoned by God and man. I will give you half what I am worth if you will give me six months to live. The doctor said, sir, you cannot live six weeks. Voltaire replied, then I'll go to hell and you'll go with me. There's a gentleman by the name of Altamont. Altamont, he said, my principles have poisoned my friends. My extravagance has beggared my boy. My kindness has murdered my wife. And is there another hell? O thou blaspheme yet most indulgent Lord God, hell is a refuge if it hides me from your frown. Charles IX, who gave the order for St. Bartholomew's Day massacre while laying on the ground bathed in his own blood, said, What blood? What murders? I know not where I am. How will all this end? What shall I do? I am lost forever, and I know it. Philip III from Spain. Oh, would to God I had never reigned. Oh, those years I spent in the kingdom. I wished I'd lived a solitary life in the wilderness. Oh, that I had lived alone with God. How much more secure should I now have died? How much more confident shall I have gone to the throne? What doeth all my glory profit that I may have so much than more, more torment in my death? Contrast the believers when they die. Matthew Henry, sin is bitter. I bless God. I have inward supports. Martin Luther, our God is the God from whom cometh salvation. God is the Lord by whom we escape death. John Knox said, live in Christ, live in Christ, and the flesh need not fear death. Calvin, thou, Lord, bruises me, but I am abundantly satisfied since it is from thy hand. John Wesley, the best of all is God is with us. Farewell, farewell. Charles Wesley, I shall be satisfied with I like this. Satisfy, satisfy. We sang about it tonight. Baxter, I have pain. There's no arguing, but I have peace. I have peace. Dr. Preston, blessed be God thou. I, I change my place. I shall not change my company, for I have walked with God while living, and now I go to rest with him. Dr. Payson, the battle is fought, the battle was fought, and the victory is won, the victory is won forever. I'm going to bathe in an ocean of purity, pure benevolence, and happiness for all eternity. Samuel Rutherford, if he should slay me 10,000 times, 10,000 times, I will trust. I feel I believe in joy. I feed on manna. Oh, for the arms to embrace him. Dr. Goodwin on his deathbed said, Ah, is this dying? How have I dreaded as an enemy this smiling friend?
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Carry, located in Apex, North Carolina.